I, I went through a period where I thought I had to look better and appear better and even drive better. It, did, it wasn't me. I was using up so much energy to try and give you the image that I thought you needed to validate what I did. That's a confusing fucking statement. Welcome, guys and gals, to the Man Talks podcast. I'm Connor Beaton, the host and founder of Man Talks. This podcast brings together the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. Imagine having experienced mentors with decades of wisdom delivered right to your ears. We talk about purpose, legacy, influence, love, sex, success, and so much more. Don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes, share the episode with a friend if you enjoy it, subscribe, and join the thousands of other changemakers in our community on Facebook, or go to mantalks.com. Today, I have an honor uh, to be joined by Mr. Steve Sims, and you're going to have to hold on your bootstraps. This is R-rated for for many, many reasons, uh, but R-rated for just like radically awesome and nobody says radically anymore so you can tell that it's going to be a good time um but steve sims is the founder of a company called bluefish and bluefish is the world's first luxury concierge that delivers the highest level of personalized travel transportation and cutting-edge entertainment services to you know corporate executives celebrities uh pro athletes and other discerning individuals interested in living life to the fullest so (laughs) Before I even tell you about what we're going to talk about on this episode, I just want to like give you a list of some of the things that Steve Sims and his his company, uh, Bluefish, have actually done. So they've created uh, trips, which include visiting the International Space Station, taking a submarine trip to the Titanic, becoming James Bond for a weekend in Monte Carlo, which actually sounds pretty freaking awesome. Uh, private cooking lessons with the world's finest executive chefs, uh, trekking on a luxury safari in the Amazon and Serengeti, singing live on stage uh, with legendary rock band Journey, which is crazy. Like who, how, how did you even do that? Uh, He's helped to launch Elton John's most recent uh, Emmy party, which is absolutely amazing. Enjoying a walk-on role on a hit TV show. And like the list just goes on and on and on and on. Um, Steve's been featured on Forbes. He's been featured in CNN, Fox, like all the major news networks and magazines, uh, entrepreneur.com. Like he's just been featured everywhere. And so we are really lucky to have him. So today, uh, we're going to talk about relationships. Um, we're going to talk about how to build those relationships. We're going to talk about, uh, giving back and just to give you an idea of what Steve's all about. And just before I introduce him, before I bring him on, I just want to give you a quote of Steve's, which is when you reach a level of success in business, when you have everything you want, that's when you have an obligation to give back. So yeah, we're going to talk about incredible experiences and, you know, celebrities and pro athletes and some of the cool stuff that he's done with his company. But all of this is, is with the intention of giving back. So, uh, Without any further ado, I would like to introduce you to the wild and crazy Mr. Steve Sims. Do, 
Mr. Sims of the Bluefish Group, tell me what is the most defining moment for you as a man or just in your life in general that shaped who you are as a rock star today? Rock star, wow. Come on, build me <laughs> up already. Um, I would say probably the most defining moment was when I was like in my 30s and, and just trying to conquer the world and, and run one of these weird things called businesses. And as usual, everything was getting fucked up and falling over and going wrong. And I remember the only thing I could think of doing, and everyone was telling me not to do it, but I phoned up. Uh, I can't even remember if it was a client or a vendor or a partner, but I remember phoning up the guy and just going, it's gone to shit. Okay. I'm not going anywhere. I'll get it sorted, but I'm just letting you know now it hasn't gone as planned. I'm, I, I'm ass up and I need to work my way out of it. And I just remember everyone going, no, you don't do that. Tell them that, you know, you're, you're working on it. And they wanted to bullshit it. And I just remembered going straight, straight up and just going, it's all gone to shit. And I just remember the person going, well, that's great. Thank you very much for that. It's refreshing. You know, cope with it as you need and come back to me. And I just remember the, the weight that came off my shoulders. And since then, if something's not going to plan, now it's very rarely with a client, but if there's a vendor something's not working with or, you know, uh, an event that's not going as planned, you can go to those people and go, this isn't going as planned. We need to change this. Or, hey, this hasn't gone as planned as I wanted it. So let, this is how I'm going to change it. I just remembered that by attacking the problem head on quickly, you didn't actually have to worry about all that stress, which in effect just negates you. So own up, stand up and own up. It's a really good way of looking at it, man. I, I love it. I love it. Because a lot of the times in those moments, people are really afraid to actually just deal with it, face it head on, and then they avoid it. And then that shit just turns into an even bigger problem, right? Oh, it turns into the Titanic. They got a tiny little leak, and all of a sudden, that's sinking fast. Is that a quarter earlier on? Um, and I've also reached out to people in the past and gone, hey, this isn't working. And they've gone, well, what about it? And they've ended up working with you to come up with another example or an alternative. And you've gone, you know, I love that one even better. <laughs> and it's worked out better. So that's, that's what's defined me. Um, there's actually been two moments. I don't want to steal anything, but that was one of them. And the other one was just being completely open to being you and accepting you. And I remember when I used to dance around in tailor-made suits, driving big-ass expensive cars, which weren't me. Um, and then when I'd turn up on a motorbike in a black T-shirt and jeans, funny enough, I'd get more business done. So I found the value very early on, thankfully, that I was allowed to be me and get away with it. Nice, man. Nice. Well, that's that's all really good insight. I'm excited to jump into this interview because you have done some crazy shit. If you go on your website, there's photos of you and Branson. You've been featured on CNN, NBC, Wall Street Journal. Like You are kind of everywhere, which is really cool. So for the listeners out there who don't know what Bluefish is, why don't you just give them the, the little explanation of what it is that you do and, and who it's for? Well, we make the Wizard of Oz do like an amateur. We are a group, a community that has built up into a company. So it never started off as a company that are really well known for doing wish fulfillment. So if you want to take over the academia and, and have dinner at the feet of Michelangelo's David and have Andrea Bocelli come in, or if you want to do a, uh, you know, a four on four basketball game on the court of Madison Square Garden, if you want to go and have a guitar lesson with ZZ Top or drum lesson with Guns N' Roses. We're the people that do all that. Uh, we also do travel and the usual 
concierge stuff. But what we've really become famous for is people wanting to go down on the Titanic, walk a red carpet, or quite simply just sit down and have dinner with one of our heroes. Very cool. So you create sort of, you're like the ultimate experience company, not necessarily adventures, although you might, you do plan some adventures, but you're like the ultimate make shit happen company, basically for people that, for people that want to do some really cool stuff in their life. Yeah. And they can afford it. Uh, yeah. We're, we're the group that, you know, you know, you know, retain us because we're, we're warm and fuzzy and sexy. Although I am very good looking for podcasts. You get us because <laughs> We've got a 20-year history of just getting some amazing shit done, and we get it done for people that don't, funny enough, want to shout about it. And I say funny enough because a lot of the lifestyle firms out there, they're like, oh, we work with this person. We were No one ever knows who we work with until suddenly you see us, you know, knocking around with, as you've said, you know, the Pope or Branson or someone like that, and that's suddenly, you know, what's going on? And, and it's that kind of stuff. So we never announce what we get up to. Uh, as of the client. We'll let people know what we're doing, but just not what client we did it for. So we've become very well known for just doing the miraculous, crazy stuff. Who is one of the just sort of like raddest people that you've had the fortune to to meet? You know, everyone's going to turn around and go, oh, that's got to be Richard Branson or Elon Musk or the Pope. But I've met people that have been the head of motorcycle 1% gangs in London. And I've met people that have... uh, run family businesses, should we say, in Italy. And those are some of the most amazing, loyal, dedicated people I've ever met. And you can find greatness anywhere, from the guy sitting next to you at the bus stop to the guy running a Fortune 500 space exploration company. So I'm just very lucky in the fact that 99% of the people I know are way smarter and way cooler than me. And that's that's what I like. I like to surround myself with interesting people. And I'm fascinated by them. And you know, it never comes down to how much money they've got. It comes down to how much wealth they've got. And wealth is in who they are, what they stand for, who their friends are, what their morals are, what their rituals are. That to me is wealth. Yeah, that's fan- that's fantastic. That's a really great way of looking at it. And coming from somebody like yourself, who has, you know, been around a lot of extraordinarily rich uh, you know, rich individuals, it's, it's nice to hear that distinction. So, you know, we, you just touched on greatness. You are an extraordinary relationship builder. Is that what you would say that you're sort of like an expert in, or, or that's what your genius is? I know I hate that. I hate that word, but what would you say? Like if somebody was like, Hey, Steve, what, like, what are you like? What's your genius? Like, what are you just fucking awesome at? What would you say? All right. Okay. Well, that's an easy one getting shit done <laughs> no no and that, that that's it if you ever want to see and that's why you were going down the wrong path with that question if you ever want to see the worst networking person in the world watch me at an event okay i am diabolically crap i for, for a start you know what i look like <laughs> and for all those people out there i'm the guy that if you're walking down the street and i'm on the same side of the street as you you cross the street so I'm not the warm and fuzzy guy that goes to an event and go, hey, how are you? I'm Steve Singh. Yeah. I don't do any of that crap. You know, if I have to be at an event, then I walk in, find the bar, get hold of the bartender, get my whiskey and sit at the corner. And, you know, just sit there watching the crowd and seeing how it goes. People know that I don't have, um, I don't have the time to waste on bullshit. I don't have the time to waste on arseholes. So when you get with me, 
I will get whatever you want done. And I, I come through. And it's as simple as that. So if you're looking for my secret sauce, I, I make it happen. Someone comes to me. By now, I know whether or not I've got someone in my network that can make it happen. So I'm not going to tell you it can happen unless I know it can happen. And then I go and get it done. And of course, then that person goes and tells someone else. And then they come over and they go, hey, I heard from Johnny that, you know, my boy sang on stage with a rock band or they went down to Titan. I want to do this, you know, and go and play, you know, Pebble Beach or Augusta. You know, all of a sudden it just takes off. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. I mean, for the listeners out there, if you're trying to get a mental picture of what Steve looks like, there, there's one. Oh, this is going <laughs> to There's one, there's one on this. the website. But I feel like a, an app description uh, is, you know, uh, basically the picture that you have in your mind based off of Steve's uh, voice so far and the way that he talks, it's probably pretty accurate. You know, he's, he's, he looks like he should be running uh, like a really kick-ass biker gang of like all Harley Davidsons. <laughs> that's <laughs> okay. A, that's the <laughs> way that I describe it. I suppose, yeah. Like you're, you're like, you're like the English kingpin of, of like a bike gang somewhere. Um, and you don't even know it, but you somehow you have like, you've got like a hundred follow, you know, you've got like, you know, 10,000 bikers down in the States and all over the world, uh, that are in like the, you know, the Sims gang and you don't even know it, but you're the boss and they're all following you. <laughs> um, so I'll let's, let's, yeah, let's talk about relationship building, man. Like you have this great saying around authenticity. You don't say authenticity, but that's what lands for me. And you were quoted as saying, when someone is meeting me, they are meeting me, the real me. If they, if they like that, great. We have already covered a lot of ground. Why do you feel like this sort of just straight up, no BS authenticity is, is so important? Oh, dear. I, it's, you know, I've had this question a couple of times, not very often, but recently this, this, this word of the year. Do you remember last year with 10X? Everything was freaking 10X. Mm, yeah, yep. you, could, you could 10X your toilet yeah. roll. Everything was 10X to the point of annoyance. This year, authenticity is the shit word. And it's really embarrassing and actually quite disgusting that we should actually take that as a credit as though we've won or achieved something when it should be what we already are. We shouldn't talk about authenticity like we shouldn't be talking about the ability to breathe air. It should be real. Yeah, it, yeah, should, it should just be. happen. Yeah, it's yeah. sad when someone is refreshing or it's startling because you're so authentic, which means everyone else is full of shit. Now, I worked out ages ago that we are a battery cell. And we have a certain amount of energy in us to do what we need to do. You know, you get up in the morning, you look after the family, you go to work. You know, you, you get depleted during the day until you hit cocktail hour, grab the whiskey, relax during the night, and then you can start again the following day. Okay? But we're a battery. And I believe that some of our energy is taken up. And I used an example earlier when I used to I, – I went through a period where I thought I had to look better and appear better and even drive better. It, did, it wasn't me. I was using up so much energy to try and give you the image that I thought you needed to validate what I did. That's a confusing fucking statement. <laughs> and I just found myself using so much energy to even try and speak better, dress better. When at the end of the day, you're not dating me. You want me to do something for you, of which I have that ability, whether I look like I do or whether I'm some tart in a pinstripe suit. So I just realized 
that by by being me, and this is where this is where the point is, it took no effort at all, which meant that all my energy could be focused on what mattered. Now, we all know that there are people in our circle that love us. There are people in maybe those outer circles that tolerate us, and there are some in our circles, in our life, that resent us. I just thought to myself, well, hang on a minute. I'm getting old. I'm too ugly to care. I'm only going to deal with people that I like, I can resonate with, I value, I think are wealthy, and that's going to be my life. So I know when I die, I haven't wasted seconds with pricks. And I don't see where the effort is required to have that mantra. Just look at your life and go, okay, is there anyone in my life that I really don't want to phone today? Then just get rid of that person. And I know people out there going, oh, yeah, but they pay me a lot of money. You'll be surprised if you only circulate with people that you like. And if you get rid of that person, how about going to the other people you like and say, hey, I've just had an opening in my company. I can actually take on a new client. If you know anyone that's as cool as you, let me know. And you'll be surprised that you actually build up a Rolodex of people that you actually like. In fact, I did a video on it called Chug Test, um, which was the whole point of cancel within a company of you having to put up with pricks that you really didn't want to. It's a great way of looking at it, right? Because I think a lot of people, especially when they're starting off in business or you know, maybe they're just getting into the corporate world, they're, they're trying to create this image for themselves, right? That they can, it's almost, it's almost like they're trying to sell like their own personality, but what really shines through are the people like, like yourself and the Philip McKernan's of the world that it's not that you don't give a shit what other people think. And maybe that's part of it, but it's just that what is more effective and more efficient is just to sort of stand true to who you know you are and to just sort of like cut the rest of the crap, you know? And and I think that's a huge thing. Have, Have you found that since you've made that shift, uh, that you've actually been more successful? Oh, fuck yeah. So I'll give you the, I'll give you the brief. I was, um, I was a doorman for a nightclub in Hong Kong when this all started. And as it started to do well and I started to get more clients and I started to put on events and parties and promotions and started doing this stuff, I was doing well without thinking about it because it was natural. Again, this authenticity, it was just doing what I was doing. There was no thought needed behind it. So... Then all of a sudden, I made the danger, which all entrepreneurs do, we fuck up our company. We don't do it intentionally, but we start, we start to second-guess ourselves. Oh, how's our website? How, how, how do I look? You know, how's, shouldn't I have a business? I saw someone the other day. He looked really sharp because he had loafers on with no socks. I better start doing that. You, know? you just second-guess everything and forget why people were actually doing business with you in the first place. So I literally went out, started getting sharp suits, uh, bought myself um, uh, a nice car, and then I ended up doing some work for Ferrari. So I had a Ferrari, great perk. But I'd always had motorcycles. From the age of 14, always had motorcycles. Never, ever had a garage without them. And so I would still go to work and do all my meetings. But every now and then, to impress someone, I'd put this suit on, and I'd do my hair, and I'd take my earrings out. And I would, I would go somewhere, and I felt so stiff that this is where your reptilian brain comes in. Now, we all know about the reptilian brain, that little bit in your head that says fight or flight. It's the one that creates the suspicion. I'm going to someone now, and I'm not comfortable who I am. So I would actually now turn up somewhere, and these people would be a bit suspicious because they would be like, well, hang on a minute. Who's this guy in front of me? 
we physically notice our bank account go down. Less clients were doing business with us. People didn't want to work with us. The money was going down. And I couldn't work out why it was because I hadn't changed in my head. So then I decided, right, I'm going to go back to these events. And I went back to them again, pulled up on a motorcycle, parked around a corner, walked in in my black T-shirt. I just wanted to check out the event because I was positive in my head the event had changed. It was no longer cool or the parties I was throwing were no longer rocking. And I couldn't work out what it was. And when I turned up, and I remember this, this was one of my starting moments. I turned up in a black T-shirt to an event I was doing, and I walked in, and I stood by a bar, and this guy came up to me, who I had seen a month prior at the event. But he came up to me, and he shook my hand. He went, Steve, I haven't seen you for ages. Where you been? And it was just that startling realization at that moment with my whiskey in hand, stood there, black T-shirt and jeans, suddenly realized that I hadn't been there. The perception of what I was trying to create had been there. The shell, the empty void, the fake Sims had been there, but I hadn't. And the second I went, well, hang on a minute, this ain't working. And if people like the fake you, then they don't like you. They like what you've created. Therefore, they don't know you. So if you're just you, they will make a decision on whether or not they want to be with you or whether they don't. And trust me, that is a beautiful, simple situation to be in. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a powerful story, man. That's just on point. And I think, you know, everybody listening to that is, is going to really understand the, the value in that. And I think one of the things that, you know, the very first time that you and I ever connected and ever talked, what I really noticed about you is that you have this unique ability to, it's almost like you understand, and I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but it's almost like you understand how to add value to other people just innately. Like you seem to be really good at it because you told me a few stories about, you know, some of the some of your clients or some of your friends and and how you know what type of scotch they like to drink and um you know you would you would send them a little card and note and stuff like that and and uh, can we just talk about that? Can we just talk about adding value to other people because I think that that's something that some people conceptually understand. They understand that you know they should give first and and receive second but you seem to live your life like that and so let's just touch on value what, what do you think are some of the key pieces to really adding value to other people um especially people that you're wanting to do business with um i think there's a perception that may be slightly off between us um i am a selfish self-centered bastard <laughs> and I, I, I don't want anyone out there thinking, oh, he's so lovely. He sends out presents and stuff to everyone. No, I don't. Um, I'm not there to make your life better by sending you stuff. I'm there because I want to, I want to know you better. I like you. It benefits me to know you better. You're a cool cat. I really like knowing you. And therefore, what I'm doing is just demonstrating that like you would in a pub, you know, walk in a pub, you see someone you like, and natural instinct is to just walk up to them and go, Connor, let me buy you a beer, man. You know, and hey, I know what you, I, I know your favorite whiskey. I see they got one hit. Let's do that. Now, to me, I think that's kind of cool to be able to go and just chill with someone, you know, know the kind of thing. Like, you know a bit about me, you know about the bikes. We know the same kind of people. It's nice to be able to go out and just express your gratitude that they are in your circle by just a simple demonstration to go, I read this cool magazine on Porsche, and I know you love Porsche, so please excuse me, I shoved it in the envelope and just sent it to you. You may already have it, but if not, 
enjoy. That's an old magazine that I've already read that was going to go in the bin, but I've now just sent it to someone that I knew was interested in something. And the only thing that's cost me is a couple of milliseconds of my life and a stamp. But it's not there to go, hey, I want to in- in- increase. It's for me to just go, look, you're valuable in my life. I really appreciate you being those special people. And I said to you before about the no dick policy. Well, if you've got good people around you, look after them. Show them you care because it, 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 it increases the valuation. You'll get more out of the relationship because of it. And, and, and notice, notice I've never said anything about money. There's a lot of these people I have relationships with that I may never, never make any money off, but they, they give me, um, they inspire me. You know, they amaze me. I love being in that presence. I love sipping a whiskey. with. These are people that just make my life cool. And not one time in this conversation is that ever going to be down to money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the really interesting point that you're making is that it's not about it's not about getting, right? Because I think a lot of people build relationships or try and add value to other people from a space of if I give to this person or if I am just thinking of them and I send them this magazine or the or whatever the case may be, there's almost like this inherent like thing behind it, like this energy behind it of like, and hopefully I'll get this or hopefully they'll work with me on that. Or like, you know, they have some like ulterior motive. And I think the thing that I was sort of alluding to around the value is that energetically, I've never gotten that from you. You're just like genuine and hey, I give a shit about this person and I and I like this sparked that for me. And I'm gonna and I'm just gonna give to them. And I and I think it's just something that sadly is missing for a lot of people, especially in the especially in the business world and the corporate world, right? Because there's just this space of like get, 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 get. And you know, what how how can I like bring in more clients, et cetera, et cetera? That's something that I just noticed that I wanted to point out because I think, you know, a, a lot of people could really learn a lesson from that. I heard, uh, I heard one of the biggest lines of bullshit many, many years ago when everyone was watching Wall Street, when they were turning around saying, it's, it's, it's not personal, it's business. Mm. If anyone thinks that is true, they're an asswipe, and I don't want them in my space. <laughs> business is 100% personal. And I've always believed that it's what you do to show, especially now, yeah, you can have two to you this afternoon. Now, I don't know your experience in the concierge world, but you could go out this afternoon and pay some some guy in Manila to build a website that makes you look like the rockinest concierge firm known to mankind. And you could shove a bunch of pictures up there. A bunch, I've seen it before, and I saw a really funny one. Someone had, um, and it was a joke, they put on the bottom all of these um you know, CNBC and Rob Report and Worth, they put all these logos on the bottom. Then underneath in an asterisk said, not appeared in any of these, but read these regularly. And it just made me giggle. But you can set up a website, which is just going to make people think, wow, you're important, because everything is all surface value now. And that's where it's your obligation, your commitment, your destiny to actually show people that you are more than just that person on the other end of the phone. You're actually there to benefit them, to add value to them, to increase in the relationship, and that's where you build that loyalty. Now, we know it's hard to get a client. It's suicide to lose a client. So when you get them, just to go, hey, appreciate you. Just wanted to send you a box of roses. You know, just wanted to you know, send you those tickets to a ball game. Hey, new, new movies coming out this weekend. 
just prepaid for a couple of tickets so you can go and see the Bourne movie. Just something like that. Clients are doing thousands of dollars with you. You're going to spend 50 bucks on a couple of uh, movie tickets or gift voucher from Fandango and go, look, go to the movies, take your missus. You know, you, we spoke the other day, you said we're working hard. Take the missus to the movie. Join movie on me. Just something stupid like that. In fact, the key is, and this is the thing, the key is never to spend a lot of money. And I will send along, I'm very fortunate. I've got, you know, billionaires and, you know, captains of industry as clients. I literally sent out a whole bunch of Fandango gift cards with like three of the upcoming movies that I was dying to go and see. And I went, hey, go and have a movie, go and have a movie. Pretend it's me and you are going out for a movie night. You know, just jokingly, you know, do you want to go to the movies this Friday? I know I can't go to the movies with him because he's invited here or he's in Japan. But I just sent him some vouchers so that he could go to the movies so that we could both see it during the same period. Yeah, that's that's pretty fantastic. I mean, you know, that that shows not only that that you have their interest in mind, but also that you're, you know, that you're listening to their experience and like what they're where they're at, what they enjoy, all of that kind of stuff. So, um so let's talk about the concierge side of things because we we've never had anybody on before that that does the type of work that you do and uh, you know, I find it fascinating. So, first off, what are some of the keys to success in your industry and, and secondly, Share some of the crazy shit that you guys have done because you have done some like absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal things uh, with and for clients. So I, I would love to hear about those. Well, funny enough, we actually put a newsletter together um, that went out this week. I don't know if you got it, but um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that can like state their accolades over the last five years of business or something. Every now and then we send out an email and go, look, for the last five years, this is what we did in the last five days. And we just can like put put things like that. So in the last five to ten days, we had a, um, a four clients walk down the red carpet with Matt Damon at the Jason Bourne premiere, and then go with him to the after party and just hung out with him. We had a client go backstage and actually meet Stevie Wonder. Uh, there were four of those. Uh, we had clients um, in uh, Salvatore Furgamo's home in Tuscany for a private cooking lesson, uh, private tour to Vatican. What else did we do recently? Uh, we're doing a bunch of stuff like safaris and all those kind of normal travel stuff, but we're doing a, a, a beauty pageant. We organized this client to have dinner with uh, one of the Miss, uh, Miss Philippine winners. So we do all that kind of stuff. Uh, what are we doing now that's pretty cool? We're getting ready for next year's Titanic. We're working on the Emmys now. We just actually partnered again. Uh, we made it official, and it's not been announced yet, so you'll be the first one to know. This year, we actually became the official partner with Sir Elton John for his Oscar party, star-studded Oscar party. Um, that was that was really cool. And so we were chatting with him the other day, and we we're actually doing it again for 2017. And to be honest with you, probably will do for the next you know five years. Um, but uh, I love his standard. I love what him and Dave Furnish, what they're doing. Uh, for AIDS uh, research is phenomenal. And so, you know, we, we partnered with them again. So really looking forward to that, uh, that cool people. And just that kind of stuff, you know, the kind of people we're dealing with. Oh, we got a cool one the other day, actually. The chance of, and we get people contact us that know us. And we're often quite fascinated with the kind of people that phone us up. We got offered the chance to have dinner with the CEO and former CEO of Ferrari, who's now the CEO of Lamborghini, and one of the top entrepreneurs in Italy. So you can actually have dinner with him at the Lamborghini factory in uh, just outside of Bologna. That was quite cool. Yeah, that was quite cool. So we get, to, we get to do some wild and wacky stuff. Now, you asked me how I managed to do it. I do what I say I'm going to do. And there's a lot of people that have never heard of me and don't know me. But in those circles, 
they know who I am. And that's all that matters. So that when someone says, you know, we need this done, I may not know the person that I need to contact. I didn't know Stevie Wonder personally, but I knew people that knew Stevie, that knew me from another project I had done, therefore knew I was real. And I wouldn't be going, oh, yeah, can you, can you sneak us back? So, not that kind of thing. So we know people that know that we're real and we do as we say. So we've built up that credibility. So that's when we get those kind of weird and wacky stuff like the Lamborghini thing. So the follow, like the follow through is extraordinarily important for you and, and just making sure that you can deliver even if it's you know, seemingly impossible or outrageous. Well, as we already know, nothing's impossible, but everything's outrageous depending on who you're talking to. My job is just to get it done. The, the key points here, first of all, is do we like you? Now, that's a weird thing, but do we want you to achieve your dream? You know, do, do, do we want to be part of this moment? And if you're a prick, then the answer is no, and we say goodbye, that's it. But if we like you and we go, yeah, there's a good reason behind this. We like the story. We want to deal with this person. They're a cool person. Yeah, let's do it. And that's when it's a case of, Connor, we're going to make it happen. Now, I think your, your budget's going to need to be around about this. Is that okay with you? That's great. Good. Send us 15% of that now. We're going to go forth and make it happen. And that's when we go forward. And when we're phoning up those people going, hey, uh, and as I said to you, it may not be me that phones up. It may be it may be your best friend that phones you up and says, "I've got this guy, Steve Sims. You know, you may never have heard of him, but he did this and this and this with us. Take his call." So that when I phone up, they already know that I'm real. And then it's a case of, "Look, you know, I did this with your buddy. I need to do this. How can we make it happen? What needs to happen? What's the process? What's the steps for us to be able to get this client getting his drink?" So you just, you just chat with the client, never ask them a question which they can answer yes or no, unless you want that particular answer and you're not fine with the other one. Get it, get it going that way. And of course, once you've got them, and this happens a lot, once you've done the work with them, then the next time something comes up, like music industry, you know, I may, I may, someone may say, hey, I want uh, Pink. And I may never have worked with Pink before, but I can speak to someone who knows Pink that I have worked with. And so that's how your credibility ladder builds up. It's another reason why our website doesn't even have a phone number on it because the phone number is completely irrelevant. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So it's more about like, uh, I, I love the saying, uh, it's more about who you know. I think there needs to be a caveat there that says, it's not just about who you know, it's how you know them. Oh, that's right? good. That's and good. Yeah. 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 Because, you know, like you could know everybody in the world. But, you know, if you have a shit ass reputation for for as you would like to say, being being a prick, it doesn't matter that you know them because it's how it's how you know them that matter actually matters. And I think that that seems to be like the real sort of bread and butter of what you do, because you, you know a ton of people, but it's not it's not who you know, it's actually how you know all of them and, and getting in touch with them. So. Um, so that's fantastic, man. And, and in terms of like the big picture vision, like what what do you see possible you know, for Bluefish and, and what are some things that you would, you know, sort of like to do, like the highlight reel in the future? Oh, cheapest. Um, I'm a very dull person, so I don't aspire to do anything to, you know, cook, cook badly at the weekend on my barbecue, ride my bikes, <laughs> drink whiskey, avoid working out and hug my wife on a regular basis. As long as I'm doing all of those things, I'm the richest man in the world. So with me, I just love meeting new, interesting people, which is very strange because, as I say, I'm not a very warm, fuzzy person to meet with. But, again, the credibility goes the other way. 
when I've got someone that I know that says, hey, you should speak to so-and-so, then I want to know them because I know I like that person. We can't have too many people in our lives that we like. So I just want to keep me in interesting people, keep me in people that want to achieve their goals. Um, I now do, it's kind of weird, but I've ended up doing a lot of speaking gigs and, and uh, I do a lot of consulting for other brands that want to get into different marketplaces. Um, I've got a book coming out next year with Schuster, Simon Schuster, so be thrilled about that. So my life's just pretty damn cool. That is pretty damn cool. Let's just touch on before we start to wrap it up. Tell me about and the and the audience about your motorcycle obsession. I don't know if this is something that you talk about a lot um, on on podcasts and, and, and interviews. You have like a fleet uh, of motorcycles. Can you can you list some of them off for our listeners? <laughs> oh well, it starts at the uh, at the old end with a nineteen fifty eight Triton, um, typical British calf racer. Uh, got a bunch of Ducatis, uh, Panigale Street Fighters. Got the Desmo Sedici, which is a 2007 MotoGP nutcase. When you want to, when you want to lose your brain cells, that's what you ride. Got some old British, you know, Norton Commandos. And when I want to go out and scare the grannies, I've got uh, my old uh, Sons of Anarchy Harley. <laughs> <laughs> that that one's for the bike gang, right? <laughs> that's that's the one for the bike gang. Do you know it's funny? I'll roll out one day on the Harley, and I'll have certain people wave me, and then the next day I'll be out on a Norton, and they'll all ignore me even though, you know, under a crash helmet, they don't recognize as you, um, and they'll ignore me because you can't be seen waving. It's, there's, a, there's a weird protocol in bikers. You know, sports bike riders can wave at other sports bike riders, but if they're on Harleys, you know, you ignore them. It's just, it's weird. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty obsessed with two wheels. My son uh, and my daughter, my two, my two boys and daughter, uh, have all raced and ridden and won motocross uh, races. And my son who's coming back from Portland, he often comes back and jumps on these bikes and just goes out for a spin. That's awesome, man. And just out of curiosity, like where did this whole, you know, passion and, and sort of like drive for the, for the concierge come from and, and for the motorcycles? Like are, were these pieces always there or were they something that you sort of cultivated over time? I think, well, everything kind of gets sharpened. But um, when I was a kid, I couldn't afford a car. So at the age of 14, I had this old Suzuki motorcycle. Uh, which my next door neighbor didn't want. So I repaired and I rode that. And I, I then grew up on motorcycles and my dad had a, had a truck. And I remember not wanting to be this poor guy. I knew I didn't like being poor. Financially, I didn't want that situation. And to me, what signified as being poor, and I was completely wrong, was riding motorcycles and driving a truck and living in a shitty end of a town, which is what I was doing. Then, of course, I, I started working on the door and doing the parties. I fast forward, and all of a sudden, I'm no longer poor. And I then looked back and realized how wealthy my family were because they had each other and they had everything. They just didn't drive a freaking Ferrari. But for me at that time, like all youngsters, if you're rich, you drive an expensive car. If you don't drive an expensive car, you can't be rich. You know, that's, that's how it is. And that's why. You get so many flakers lease the shit out of a, a car that they can't afford just to try and look good. Fast forward now, I don't even have a car. I literally don't have a car. I only have motorcycles. And of course, every, five, every time I stumble across an advert of a, of a classic one or one I like, I end up going out and buying it and 
get in trouble with my wife. But yes, I collect motorcycles. But you were saying about the, uh, the, the concierge. I was a little Irish lad that always wanted to have a better life. And I remember, even in London, you'd walk down a road and there'd be a red carpet. Certain people could walk up to that front door and get through that red carpet and not have to stand in line. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. We've all seen it. I always couldn't work out how do they get in there and they don't. What's different? And I used to love being a voyeur and just literally on the other side of the road, just sit there and watch these people go in and look for the body language, look for the positioning, look for the confidence, and just try to work out how those people got in and those people didn't. And do you know what's really funny? If you go and watch a nightclub, okay, or any, yeah, preferably a nightclub. I live in Hollywood, so I get to see this a lot. You'll see people pull up, and of course, we all pull up in Ubers now, and we can get some really nice Ubers, as you know. They'll get out, and you'll see people look at the doorman and go through, and then you'll see other people get out of the Uber, look at the doorman, look at the line, and go and stand at the other end of the line. They've selected themselves to stand at the other end of the line. And as a doorman, I used to watch this happen, and I used to watch people. It was great. Being on the door and being a barman or a barwoman is a great place to learn psychology. I would stand on the door, of course, looking like a massive meathead. People didn't want to talk to me, or if they did, it would kind of flatten me or to get in. But you would watch someone get out of a taxi, and maybe that you could recognize things like, you know, is the watch cool? You know, the shoe scuffed up. Is the suit sharp? You know, you could just tell if there was any affluence there. And then you would count the seconds. Where are they going to position themselves? Are they going to walk up to me and say, hey, how you doing, man? How can I get in? Here you go. And just, you know, 20 bucks or just a handshake and say, I'd like to reserve a table or, you know, my name's it. Just something like that. And they would get in or they would stand there and I'd go, well, I deserve to be at the other end of the line. And from that aspect, I made a conscious point. I never stand at the end of a line. And then as I started doing that, I started looking after my friends. And then I would send them to places. I would go, go there, see Johnny, walk through the front door. Don't question it. Walk through the front door. And, and then all of a sudden, it started to be built up. And here's the, 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 the big hook. I used to give them a passcode. And one of the passcodes was Bluefish. And that's where the name came from. So it was literally a refusal to stand in line or to be secondary or to visit somewhere and not get everything. That used to annoy me. So I always make sure that when I book travel or experiences for you, I'm booking them for me. If I'm going to Rome, I don't want there to be a door unturned. I don't want there to be an opportunity I can't take. Now, you may not be able to take them all because you may be time constrained but the opportunity is going to be available to you. There's nothing worse than coming back from somewhere and someone saying, hey, where'd you go? Oh, I went to Poland. Oh, did you see this restaurant? And then you go in, I didn't even know it existed. So that's why we make sure we send you there as a local, not as a tourist. So that's how the whole, uh, if that's answered your question, that's where the philosophy came from. That's where the whole ideal came from. That's where the personas come from. And, and that's what Bluefish stands for. We don't sell for second best. No, that's fantastic, man. I, I mean, I think one of the biggest points that really stuck out for me was the the idea that like you self select the line, you know, and that that's huge, right? Because so many people, I mean, there's there's like success story after success story after success story 
of men and women who have come from nothing and built empires. And, you know, that the, the biggest difference I think, and, and the biggest distinction that I think I got out of that was just that idea of like, yeah, watching, it was such a great metaphor, right? Just like watching people walk in uh, and choose to walk in and, and make it happen or, or people that get out of the Uber or taxi and just like look at the lineup and then just go stand in the line. Like, it's just, it's so subtle and yet it speaks volumes, right? Because that's that's like the hierarchy of our of our societies. So we're gonna have to start wrapping it up soon. I've got some rapid fire questions for you, but before we do that, one of the things that we like to talk about here is is legacy and you know the the type of legacy that you want to leave in the world. Some some guys talk about their family, some guys talk about their business, some guys talk about you know an impact or, or whatever the case may be. What is the legacy that that you, Steve Sims, would like to leave in the world? Hmm. It is. It's a massive question. I want, I want to, I want to go with people knowing that he got shit done, and I want people, I want to go knowing that I made people smile a bit, and that's it. That's it. That's awesome, man. That's it's simple. It's obtainable, and uh, and from the outside, it looks like you're definitely doing that every single freaking day. So. There you go. So uh, we're going to end off. I just have a couple of rapid fire questions for you. They're, they're kind of fun. Uh, and I feel like yours will be def- Come on, definitely interesting. Let's go for it. All right. So the one experience that you'd recommend everyone try. That you can try or that we did? That you, oof, that you can try, but also ideally something that you guys have done. One of my most recent famous uh, uh, fabulous experiences was a client wanted to have an exclusive dinner in Florence. So we took over the academia, which houses the Michelangelo's David, the most iconic statue in the world. And we set up a table of six at the feet of Michelangelo's David. And then halfway through, we had Andrea Bocelli come in and serenade him during dinner. Wow. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. That's, what, that's one good thing. I think the other thing that everyone should do that I do regularly is get on a tour bus of your town. Mm. No matter where you live, Get on a tour bus and go on a local tour bus. It's cheesy. It's 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 really kish, but you get to learn different things about where you live. That's awesome. I might have to try that one. What do you think is the most underrated trait for modern day success? Your word. Mm, that's awesome. Um, what's the one book that you would take with you if you were stranded on a desert island? Uh, probably anything by Dr. Zeus. Awesome. Uh, what's the one movie that you'd take with you? Ooh, damn, one movie. Good life. Yeah, I like that one. What's the single biggest lesson? This one's a little bit broad, but what's, what's the single biggest lesson that, uh, that you've learned in, in working with Bluefish and in, in the, in the concierge industry? Be you, people respect it. Love it. Who do you think is one of the most influential people of all time? Apart from you? <laughs> it's probably not me. Well, that's the problem. I think I think the answer, and I mean this to everybody listening, is you. We make the change. So the most influential person is you, and you need to start realizing that. That's killer. That's killer. And for the for the listeners uh, out there, where can they find you? They can go to uh, thebluefish.com. Where can they learn a little bit about you personally? Yeah, uglysims.com is where I post my rants, my likes, my dislikes, is where I talk about business. My viewpoints is where I offload. Mm, that's fantastic. And and if, if people wanted to learn a little bit more about you personally from one of the interviews that you've done, because you've been on Forbes and CNN and all that other kind of stuff, which interview should they check out? 
probably the most recent one, which kind of startled me. I got a seven-page article on Forbes, which was just incredible. And they asked me to send them a few pictures, and I just sent them a file with a whole bunch of pictures. And I went, pick your favorites, and they shoved about 30 up there. It's quite an interesting article. I really love it, really enjoyed it. So I suppose the most recent article from Forbes on Steve Sims. Awesome. Well, Steve, thanks very much for being on the Man Talks podcast. And uh, for the rest of our listeners, if you want to check out the other podcasts, go to mantalks.com for more blogs and videos. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode. And please, when you have a second, leave us a rating on iTunes. It goes a long way. Don't forget to man it forward. Um, We are live in Toronto on August 22nd. We are live in Miami on August 29th. And we have some big announcements coming up. Uh, We will be launching in several other cities around North America. So stay tuned for that. We are coming at you in Ottawa, Calgary, Atlanta, Denver, and of course, Chicago. (laughs) So thank you very much for listening to the Man Talks podcast. Catch us next week for another inspiring conversation with another inspiring man. 